Welcome to the very special episode of a UFC number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is the guy who's still not over that result, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And joining us as a special surprise is our Chief Hammerox correspondent, Jordan. Hey. You're not even correct. I not get enough of Hammerox Lamillion, and for as much as I love this season, they got rid of the intro, and it pisses me off so much. Have they still not had it? No. We're recording this on the night of the final three basically being revealed, and they still that's, haven't had oh it. Oh, yeah, that's true. That That's happening tonight. Oh, my. At this point, I just... By, one time I accidentally clicked on the wrong RFF thread. I clicked on the spoiler thread, and I saw, like, the final final five elimination, and it's like, okay, fine. And then I saw some comment on Instagram about, you know, which teams are in the final three, which teams get eliminated, and I'm, and I'm so pissed. Like, oh, my God, I waited all... I did. I watched all these episodes. They dragged this all out, and then I get it spoiled. And then it turns out that one of the teams that was said to be in the final three in both of those spoilers got eliminated last week. So I don't know what to tell you. Spoiling done right. Back in the day, I remember I saw a comment on some YouTube video that revealed the the boot order for twenty two, and it's like said Mona and Beth would win, and I'm like, ah. And then it was wrong anyway. So. <laughs> and weirdly. The various people who are watching Vidim, which aired its live finale tonight, are avoiding the hell out of Twitter because it is all over Twitter, apparently. Myself included. I'm going nowhere near it. I've unfollowed everyone who watches it, basically. I'm honestly surprised nobody spoiled the social media season. I feel like that would be all over social media. Surprisingly, the the winners don't tend to get spoiled. That is true, yeah. Because, like, that's an RF, like... When the season's over, I'll go through RFF and they're talking about like San Francisco and everything, and like they don't even say the winners. No, they always they always keep the final three very private. Um, I know Peach George has said that that's like her number one thing is that she never reveals who wins at the end because she was at the finish line for uh, this past season. Really, and I was at the starting line. Yeah, they have a policy of not revealing the the winners of the season, unlike Big Brother casting directors. Oh god! Yeah. Speaking of the starting line, I've been meaning I've been I've been holding this in for a while. I mean to tell you this because I know you guys love them a lot. I saw all the teams run out. I see this all female team, and it's like you know one team, one's like half as tall as the other. I'm thinking, oh, that's a mother daughter team, and I post it as such, like on sucks. I'm like, oh, here 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 are all the teams, blah blah blah. What looks like a mother daughter team? No, that was goat yoga. <laughs> Well, I bet April would love to to be accused of being <laughs> Sarah's daughter. Well, they fought like mother and daughter, so that that works in well too. Mother daughter fighting. <laughs> Shelly, she, I watched Twenty Five this summer, and Shelly and Nisi were pretty fun, weren't they? I pitched for them to be brought back as in the next All Star season. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them. You're not. Oh yeah, you didn't even you didn't try. It was uh, Ben and Spencer who had them on their uh, lists, but they weren't on the podcast with uh, Justin and Diana. I was never as big a fan of them as everyone else. I think the the best thing they owned they owned Keith and Whitney. Yeah, something about them just something about them just didn't jive with me though. Twenty five was great, but the best thing about twenty five is how a team about 
a team of people involved in candy beat out a team that's like, whose profession has tried to avoid candy in the finals. I think we basically knew that Amy and Maya were going to win, purely from the Morocco episode, if nothing else. The thing that kind of spoiled it, not really spoiled it for me, I mean, I obviously watched the episode knowing the Final Four twist, but like, I, I want to say you kind of saw it coming, because when Amy and Maya got to the mat, like Phil gave each team a, man, an, a manila envelope, because aha, they were in manila. He was still holding one behind his back when they got to the mat, so you knew something was up. But also it benefited us in the fact that Brooke and Robbie did not survive in the season, making the final three much better. That was... 25 is the only season I can remember that has a self that has a self-drive final leg. Wait till you get to international seasons. Australia loves a self-drive final leg. Hamirot Slamillion 3 had a team in first place heading to the finish line, self-drive. They, they, I think they missed the exit something and finished third. That's awesome. Oh, that's awful. Well, I mean, not awesome for them, but just in general, that's how final legs should be. Because that never happens in the U.S. version, where somebody gets overtaken in the taxi ride on the way to the end. I mean, closest is Terra's asthma attack in Season 2, but other than that... Didn't the the winners of Season 10 win because their car had an easy pass and the others didn't? And then, meanwhile, Season 19, I don't know how far... Like, Ernie and Cindy were winning for the entire leg, and they had to drama it up by by showing the the GPS recalculating every 10 seconds. (laughs) I forgot about that one. Yeah, Yeah, I think most people have just forgotten about season 19 generally because Bill and Kathy didn't win. Well, at least they put the winners on one of the best seasons in recent memory, so I'm not complaining. The best season in recent memory. I can't believe we're in a world where Jeremy and Sandy almost won season 19 of Amazing Race. That would have been a hilarious ending because everyone ruled them out just by how invisible they were. It's almost like a team with no edit will uh, can actually win. Yeah, the the one the one I've always said the one downside of of um of joining the like be, be becoming like a, a like a big tar fan and 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 like you know interacting with with you guys and everyone else is that as a kid I'd watch it and think everyone would win now I now I can rule out people because oh they don't have the right edit it it's a thing it's like you know. To be fair, we did get the winning edit wrong on season thirty quite, quite brutally actually. Well, then again, yeah. so did everyone else. The most brutal wrong move from us in a long while. I remember, I thought watching the um the Hong Kong leg that Christy and Jen would get eliminated, and I'm like, you know the boot order. Maybe that's why you're the only person in the podcast to not pick Christy and Jen to win. Yeah, I knew that. Well, I'd seen the image of. Um, of Alison Connor getting field eliminated because some knobhead spoiled it. Why do you even spoil the eliminations for yourself? I don't. This was on... Because of us having the Big Brother live feed as basically spoil everything that was posted on social media. Because we're admins of Amazing Race fans, people were posting it on there. Right. So one of the things they posted was Henry and Evan's speed bump board in Hong Kong. And one of the things he posted was Alison Connor getting field eliminated in Lang Kwai Fong. So... That's why I got spoiled on it, annoyingly, because I was the one to delete it. Yeah. T- 28 also had a pretty interesting winner's edit. I feel like it could have gone either way. I feel like you could have had, you know, especially after watching Sherry and Cole, like their reaction to finishing in third, you could have tagged them as having an, an underdog edit like Amy and Maya or Josh and Brent, and then it turns out, no, it's the, it's the fighting couple that ends up winning. 
Yeah, but they had the sort of redemption edit of we're learning to work together. That's true. And then Tyler and Corey were just like, okay. Speaking of 28 and f- finalists, um, I know the, the the other week Logan was talking about like how he snuck into the 28 party, like being under Justin. And I'm like, he should have just gone in. Like, I know that I should have just said, he should have just came in with the name Doug Rubaker. <laughs> he totally should have. A lot of them wouldn't have caught on to that. Another, another great tar moment I was too young to appreciate when it aired live. One of my favorite podcasts we've ever done was the Logan in LA one of just Logan recounting all the, the stories that he was and wasn't allowed to tell. Back when they had public finale parties, my parents went to 22s and got photobombed by Mona and Beth. I really, really, really wish that that it was actually possible for, for me to go to a finale party because Brooke kept inviting us all. Saying, so if you can get over, please do. It's like, I really want to, but I can't. I think the last public finale for Amazing Race was, I'm going to assume, was 27. Because 28 was very private, and then 29 was, you had to be on a guest list at the at the parlor in Hollywood. And then for 30, I don't think not even all 11 teams were invited to that one. So yeah, we're we're here to basically talk about how much of a shit show season thirty was, and also hopefully have uh, have Jordan tell us why why we should be watching Israeli Amazing Race. Season thirty started off so well. I mean that literally the closest finish in a probably Amazing Race history, and it was like I was watching. It was like oh my god, like I was rooting for Cedric and Sean. I'm like oh my god, they're going to get eliminated, and then it's like you see them checking, like, wait a minute, now it's just going to be, like, the closest finish ever, and it's like, you're not going to top that. And then it rapidly, rapidly went downhill. Well, first off, the head-to-head, which is stupid. Yeah, sort of the person most qualified to talk about how how bad these fake double battles were. Not as bad as the Amazing Race Canada ones, but very few things are. I mean, god damn it, the, the head-to-heads are like, first of all, Everyone says that, you know, I've heard people say the Freak Race was like, okay, kind of like Hameroats, but but to be fair, Hameroats would go even more all out. For example, I know, Michael, you know this. Logan, do you know what the first double battle was in the current Hameroats season? Mm, not off the top of my head, no. Okay, they went to New York, because, you know, Krista was a pit stop reader. They mm-hmm. had teams play tug-of-war against each other. While on rooftops of separate buildings. What? Yep. They were harnessed, obviously, but it, like they were like on these like it was it was really fun to watch. Somebody should have been in the Bowser suit and then just not have the teams attached to a harness and it would just be like the tug of war minigame from the original Mario Party. Minus busted hams. <laughs> Previously they've had chocolate wrestling, dressing up as witches and throwing bats into cauldrons. They've had um one person would dress up as a as a Buckingham Palace guard, and then the remaining teammate would try to like get them to laugh or flinch. Strip poker in Vegas. Oh, strip poker! I forgot about that one. And it, instead of waiting out the predetermined time penalty, they had to wear a cardboard sign saying, uh, "I lost a game of strip poker," wasn't it? I haven't watched all of Hamburg's three, but Vegas also has the coolest pit stop ever. It was like. It was just this empty mat on a street corner, and all of a sudden a limo comes by, and the host's in the limo, and like while they're riding around the block, he tells them their placement, and it's a keep on racing, like she just gives them an next clue, lets them off back at the back where they picked them up, and they kept racing. A mobile pit stop, I've never seen that before. 
And that's also responsible for the the wonderful Berry People Alive uh, roadblock to simulate the actions of the Mafia. I remember that one because when I posted on Reddit about what was the weirdest task, because I just watched the um the the Berlin roadblock from 22 in that weird maze. And I'm like, oh, what's the weirdest task? Logan's like, oh, watch how many roads there's the team bearing alive. I'm like, oh, please. I know a lot more about how many roads than you do. <laughs> Pulling rank. Well, the trailer for the upcoming season of Belgian Mole has people being buried alive in uh, in Mexico, which is going to be fun. <laughs> so instead of the American Mafia, it's a Mexican drug cartel. Yeah, and the one clip actually in the trailer is uh, someone going, fucking hell, from being trapped in the coffin. Speaking of which, I remember when I, when, by the way, like when I was, when the Wikipedia page for Hamirot 6, while they were like filming it or after it was airing, they said they had two legs in Colombia and one was in Bogota. So I'm like, they need to have a task with a Pablo Escobar impersonator. And I thought you loved it. Turns out it was wrong. They only had one leg in Cartagena. That's a shame. Where they ripped off the mud road, mud volcano roadblock from 28. It's probably the only thing they're actually allowed to do. I think locals really, really hate it in Colombia if you ever bring up Pablo Escobar, though. That's what I've heard. <laughs> Aren't you going to Colombia? Yeah, I'll be there for one week. Uh, yeah, when I, well, when I go to South America next month. Yeah, I'm going to be in Medellin, which is where uh, Pablo Escobar is mainly based out of. Because as soon as he died is when they really cleaned up the city. Cool. I think the main problem with the head-to-heads, I kind of go back to the Hamerots thing, but in Hamerots, they allow for inter-team dynamics because, like, again, the tug-of-war thing, they'll have, like, they have this they have this one in Jamaica where it was, like, they're down to six teams, so, like, teams are kind of, like, getting closer together. They had this, they were, like, they were hanging from wires, and they had to crawl, and they had these, like, treasure chests. One, it was a 1v1 where, like, teams would have to, like, Try to like, like try to like crawl over each other to place their flags in corresponding holes in the treasure chest. And there was a lot of fighting, like t- teams getting tangled up. It got intense. You don't see that on Amazing Race Head to Heads because it's it's sports task. How in, how much intensity can you get from throwing balls at smaller balls or racing around a track? I mean, if you tried to sabotage a team, then yeah, it would get heated. But it was just like teams on their own, and that for me like. Even, I feel like, would it would have been better if they just put it in the middle of the leg and just had a team serve a 15-minute penalty like they do on Hameroth? Sure, but, like, they're uninspired, honestly. I feel like if, and what really makes me mad about this is that by watching Hameroth, the current Hameroth and Amazing Race season side-by-side, side, you can see that the Amazing Race took a lot of tasks from the current Hameroth season, like, Hamerots had a, a lantern-hanging task. For example, they had a task where you had to memorize 10 items and then find them somewhere else, like they did in Bahrain. There, there are others off the top of my head. I can't remember them, but there were a lot of interestingly similar tasks. Oh, there was one where it was like, you had to learn a Thai phrase, relate to your teammate who had to do something with it like they did in Hong Kong. So, like, if you're going to take a lot of ideas from tasks in... From from Hamerots, why not go out with more head-to-heads like that, you know? Yeah, especially after Season 29 was just so, so good. And anyone who says it wasn't one of the best seasons of all time is wrong, by the way. <laughs> but especially after it was just so good, every season, or any season, was going to be maybe a bit of a letdown. 
but season 30 was a massive letdown for me. Not just because of that. The casting wasn't as good, obviously. But then we also had a lot of the weird production decisions and editing decisions. and It, it, it didn't feel like the same production team, honestly. At I least mean, they had some drive legs. It, that, that was pretty fun. Also, here, Tower 30 was pretty bad because how do you... Because this is the first time I've ever seen a team be misidentified on screen. How do you even do that? Chris and Trevor? No, when when Eric and Daniel were in the beer spawn in um, Prague, the, the on-screen graphic said it was Henry and Evan, remember? Oh, right. <laughs> like, how do you mess that up? That's how little they care about Eric and Daniel. I just feel like they probably were surprised with it coming back earlier. So the attention to detail wasn't there. And they, fit, they and they crammed it into eight weeks. That that on, that honestly frustrated me a lot. They they they, they made the season feel so short. The care and attention just wasn't there. That is usually there in an amazing race season. I mean, I hope it doesn't get cancelled soon. I'd love to be on it one day. I'm not sure I would ever want to do Amazing Race if it ever actually came to the UK. Yeah, we've had British teams on Amazing Race, Asia, China Rush. Oh, if Amazing Race Asia six rang us up, which you know, friends of the show. If they rang us up and said, do you want a race? Obviously I would do it, but I just, I feel like I would probably be quite hated. <laughs> Let's be honest here. The one the one person who's going to ever be on Amazing Race Asia is Logan for without me. Greatest thing I've ever seen. The Amazing Race <laughs> Asia production team were tweeting us during our Amazing Race Asia 5 season. It was awesome. Cool. We had an absolute blast that season, mainly because of the production team being so much fun. And just teasing teasing people like we did, basically. Because <laughs> they obviously hated Tara Basra as much as we did. I even asked Tara Basra about the Amazing Race recently in like one of their little uh, video things on Instagram when she was like uh, when she was responding to viewer questions, and it was the only question that she skipped over. <laughs> Aww. So clearly, I don't think she was too high on the Amazing Race experience. I'm not sure she was too high on assholes from around the world just teasing her, saying that she'd crossed the Singaporean Mafia and was at the bottom of a, a tank or was visiting her cousin Anne Sang Suu Kyi in Burma. Why do you even need an Asia coast when you have Alan Wu? Who is also a friend of the show? Well, it was more because they wanted an Indonesian star, just because the Indonesian government was sponsoring the season. So, so Tara Bowser was one of their bigger up-and-coming actresses, from what I've heard. <laughs> Imagine if they replaced Phil. Like, what if Phil decided to just quit? Or if Phil had a co-host. I think that would be a tough one for people to swallow. Phil's long-lost brother, Hull. You know, Hull Kogan. <laughs> the question is, who could replace Phil? Alan Wu. Yeah, we would do it. Jeff Probst. Why not? It's like... Ooh, inspired by the inspired by this season's partner switch, we're gonna have a show switch. Phil hosts Survivor, Jeff hosts Amazing Race. Our probes did want like all the male male teams to win though. Kurt <laughs> <laughs> and Brody win their seventh leg in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spoilers, I really didn't like season three. It just didn't work for me. <laughs> it was it was okay, honestly. But again, twenty nine was pretty good. Thirty I honestly want to say 30 might be one of the rare seasons that actually was ruined by the winner. Like, it was okay, I guess, but then the winner absolutely ruined it. 
Yeah, that's one where it's like a Freddie and Kendra effect, where the ending is going to really sour the opinion on the season uh, over the long term. Could you say that about Eleven? Did, did winners ruin Eleven? Not for me, but I know for a lot of other people, a lot of other people are like, oh, 10, 10 great all-star teams and Eric and Danielle. And for those people, they, those are the people that will say like, uh, that will say season 11 is the worst of the three all-star seasons in which I have to immediately interject and say. No one's ever going to, 20, 24, it's like, it's like a thing from like, it's the clip from SpongeBob, like where they're, where they're in, where Patrick joins in the boating school. It's like. I thought of something funnier than 24, what, 25, and we'll start laughing, and I'm thinking, I thought of a better season than 24, what, any other one. <laughs> 11, here's the funny thing. I actually was rooting for Eric and Danielle on 11 because I was like, well, gee, 9 was like the first real season I watched, and these are the only ones from 9. I better root for them, ignoring the fact that I rooted at, against Eric and Jeremy in 9 because, hey, they were, they were my favorite team's arch rivals. And for Eric, it was neat to see him get his redemption from choking at the final task of season nine and then be stuck with a much worse partner than Jeremy and somehow still make it to the end and beat two very capable and strong teams. Yeah. I was and okay they were yielded twice, too. That's true. I was okay with their win because this is probably an unpopular opinion here, but to this day, I cannot stand Dustin and Candace. I don't know why. I just don't like them. Logan's not a big fan either. Yeah, I'm definitely... Season 10, I wasn't a big fan of them. Then season 11, I was just somewhere in the middle. But I never actively rooted for them. Because I just find their personalities to be a bit... It's just a bit flat overall. They're not the most interesting of people. The funny thing is that, other than Eric and Danielle, I actually was rooting for another team on 11. And I'm like, again, I haven't seen the first seven seasons, but... I was instantly attracted to Kevin and Drew. They seemed like fun guys, except they sucked on Eleven. Yeah, Drew turned into uh, into uh, Lord Voldemort in those uh, first two episodes. And not Gino and Jesse. Oh, yep, you beat me to it. Drew, <laughs> funny thing about it, did you see Drew commented on Britney's Facebook post a few, day, a few weeks ago? I think... Guys, yeah, I saw him comment, but I, didn't, I don't think uh, I don't remember the co- the, spe- the specifics of the comment. He was basically saying about like back when he raced, like there was social media wasn't a thing, so like people weren't picking apart everyone's moves on online, which is something like that. Yeah, there was no podcast back then. Like the people didn't start really uh, picking apart uh, amazing race and podcast form until. Probably about five years ago is when that would all start up. Or there was this one really small YouTube channel I think went back about eight years. But it doesn't really have that many viewers. So, yeah, that was it. Mad Rose or something like that. I can't remember what her exact uh, name is on YouTube. But that's the only other uh, older podcast I've seen. But it's no, you're right, it's nowhere near like it is today where there's ten podcasts out there, a million blogs. Former racers doing their thing. Yeah, former racers commenting what current racers are doing, so the alumni isn't as supportive as of each other in a way. Like you're gonna have you're gonna have incidents like needle or bacon and Tory spelling uh, blocking. Uh, you caught Justin yourself. And Justin Diana on Twitter, or some of the other contestants that have uh, online feuds. 
there's a certain degree of, of irony in that comment coming from Drew when the team who got one place ahead of them are probably the most prolific Amazing Race podcast guests of all time. I was thinking, if social media existed during season one, I feel like people would hate Joe and Bill. Joe and Bill are awesome. They were the first team we ever interviewed, and they are just natural podcast guests. Cool. Yeah, they probably Joe and Bill probably would have had a lot more hate mail directed towards them today, and I don't. I think they would be a lot more. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't want a social media presence uh, if it was already back. Uh, if it already existed back then, it wouldn't be like now, where well, now they're just considered legends, so they don't get uh, disrespected as much uh, in the various Facebook groups. I don't know. You you do still see the the hate coming for Joe and Bill whenever anyone watches season one. Yeah, occasionally, but it wouldn't be like what what you would see if the episodes just aired in two thousand one with the constant attacks. Well, I mean, it they block people at they tried to block people at an airport. Who, who does yeah. that? Planes to win. He's mm-hmm. blocking to... Nancy. I punch his guts out. I saw that they're like they're these two gay these two these two middle aged gay guys from California, and they call themselves Guido after their dog. It's like Guido, isn't that like a New Jersey term? <laughs> I think it's fair to say that if I was ever on a show like Amazing Grace, people would probably hate me as much as they hate Joe and Bill, because I would be doing all of that sort of stuff if it meant that I would win. I have zero shame with this sort of stuff. I think people would also hate you because you're 24 years old and you look like you're 17. <laughs> that as well. You, you sent me that picture of, of you and, like, you recreated the Brook and Scott intro. I'm like, well, you're like, you look like, a, you could pass for a teenager. What the heck are you doing? To be fair, I do look young in that pic, but it makes me laugh so much because of the story behind it, where Logan was at the finale party, he recreated it with Scott, I got a bit arsy, and Brooke said, well, when I come over to London, we'll do it. Nice. And then Brooke's back was uh, was acting up, so uh, so Scott jumped in, being the, the good egg that he is. I didn't appreciate 29 enough when, I, when it aired last year. I feel like... The first episode is, I'm going to say it's okay because you see, the, I feel like the, the, the actual leg was kind of rushed because it's like, like one task and then, you know, you have a team eliminated because they couldn't complete it fast enough. But then the next episode you get... Liz it goes very balls to the wall. Exactly. The best part about that episode was when the few days, a few, oh my God, after the season aired, London did an AMA on Reddit. And somebody asked her, like, about the Shamir situation because she was there and, like, maybe why didn't he get a penalty? And he's like, maybe because he got hurt anyway. Everyone was going crazy. And I'm like, you meant going nuts. <laughs> my, my crowning achievement. I, again, there was that. And Mike and Liz somehow coming, going from last to first. That's ins- that was the same episode as um, Pain is Temporary, Elimination is Forever as well, I think. Yes. The fun thing is, like, we've had a, a few teams go from finishing second to last on the first leg to first on the next leg, and, like, three of them already happened, like, in the last few years. The last, it was Mike and Liz, Megan and Courtney in Canada 5, um, Daniel and Eliyahu on the current Hamirot season. Because Yvonne and Chloe, I saw Yvonne and Chloe went from ninth to first, I think, on the next leg, but... I don't know where they finished on the starting line pass, so I don't know if they count. And in Asia 5-2, they did the uh, the exact opposite happened a lot, where 
I think three or four eliminations in a row was where a team started the leg in first and then were eliminated that same leg. The who is it? Alphaeus and Brandon, one of them. Yeah, Alphaeus and Brandon, Louisa and Treasury, I think. JK and Mike, Mike. Louisa yeah. and Treasury, and then Eric and Rona did it as well. Yeah. Huh. We just turned this and like, and then I mean like leg two is great. Leg three was Tanzania. There was the the Becca freakout. Yes. The best part about that freak out was like, is that they showed it like as they were going to get their passport, and then it turns out they said that was happening after they found their passport and it was going up. It's like manipulative editing. What, what you gonna do about it? Imagine losing Becca and Floyd so early in their run. I think honestly, as much as I love Twenty Nine, the best episode we've covered in the last year is probably or the most fun episodes covered in the past year was probably the Fort Mac episode of Canada 5, because we did not talk about the episode at all. Why? It was just, I didn't watch that one. It was just constantly roasting production for how bad the episode was. Roasting? It was, it was dreadful, and yes, the word roasting was deliberately chosen there, Logan. Oh! It was terrible. There's certain episodes that I wish we had been around to podcast for. There's certain iconic episodes of Amazing Race that you kind of wish that you'd podcasted about. The, the shove? Does that count? I think we would have had a lot to say about it. Whether it was good, not so much. I think the problem we've got at the moment is that there's no consistency in the quality of Amazing Race seasons. Because we went from 29, one of the best seasons of all time, to Canada 5, one of the worst seasons of all time, to 30, which you could make an argument as being one of the worst of all time. Yep. I have an idea for, for like, a, another gimmick season. We've never had any of them in the 30 seasons ever, so we're going to have 11 teams with at least one fill. Just do it. <laughs> or even better, find a Phil, find a Bertram, find an Elise. An Allen. It was an Allen on Asia 4. Yeah, find an Allen, find a Grant. Bram. Find a Ron. Find a Tara. Taron Joey, come back. Who says no? <laughs> I want to see Radio and Covino come back. It'll be amazing. As Joey so beautifully put it on our, our last podcast, I think we would kill each other. And that's what I want to see. I just want to see them getting drunk around the world and fighting with each other. Now you're <laughs> going to get it, Covino. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's the... There's the Mike impression. And Mike constantly <laughs> calling Cavino Liz, even though, you know... It's not, it's not my name. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Liz. <laughs> this Bud Light's magic now, Cavino? <laughs> what are you going to do about it, Cavino? I've always said that Mike and Liz could, could have been a returnee, but I feel like they were just kind of lost in the shuffle of all the great characters. Yeah, I think every, I think in the same way that the um, that I can argue that ten of the eleven teams from Amazing Race uh, Australia two should come back for an All Stars, I could probably argue a lot of the same for Amazing Race twenty nine. Are you are you saying that the winners shouldn't come back, or just another team that? Oh no, I want to see Brooke and Scott defend their title and prove the. No, I'm talking wrong, about Australia but... two. Australia two. I'm not as big a fan of the winners as I am of the other two teams in the final three, but I could make an argument for them coming back. They were, they were all right. They just yeah. weren't the best team in the final three. 
Apparently, the Australia versus New Zealand was a pretty bad season. It was I, all right. It yeah, wasn't... it depends on the... Yeah, it was very mixed reviews. I didn't mind it, but I know... Um, was it Ben, Michael? Ben hated yeah, it, right? Ben hates it. I think most Australians hate it. I'm, I don't hate it as much because, I mean, in ten legs, we got ten countries. Wow. It's the only international season ever to do six continents. They obviously put a lot of effort into the route, just not necessarily with the tasks. Huh. But out of that, we got Kat and Jesse, who are adorable. So, swings and roundabouts. Would anyone object to calling the certain team from Tower 30 instead of um, instead of uh, a meat product and uh, none or two unknown actors? Could we just call them Big Bother? Would anyone object to that, doing that instead? You have to at least say it in the, the Adam from Big Brother 13 voice if you ever mention Bacon and Tory Spelling. <laughs> Jesus. I can't even remember what podcast that was from. I know it was from an early one, but I can't remember which one. I was like, this is the second time you, you messed with the audio if somebody mentioned them, and I just thought there was like an audio issue, and I'm like, wait a minute, no. Wait, I, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I like to do that sort of stuff and then not draw attention to it at all. And I could have sworn you also replaced it with fart face. So basically, I made the rule that we weren't mentioning them. Logan and Michelle kept ignoring that rule. I kept reversing it. The amount that they did it on that week's podcast, I just couldn't be bothered reversing it all, and it would have sounded really irritating. So what I did was I went into the archives and found all of my favourite sound clips that um, that they've previously said that was that matched up basically with the the time frame that they were speaking. Hey, Michael, what was what would it actually actually say in Amazing Race Canada for? Because that's what everybody said online, and then Ashley had to go on Twitter and say that's not the word I actually that I used at all. We decided it was fart face, but I don't think it was. No, she said it was something else, like those those faces or false faces or something like that. Because they said they promised, it was something about, the nickname was from them promising to not U-turn Joel and Ashley. And Ashley said something about how they are lying faces or something like that. But that's definitely not, not how it sounds when you listen to the episode. And then every, all the, she was getting a lot of hate for that online, saying that she was resorting to petty behavior. And then she said, no, that's not what I said for the hundredth time. Yeah, it was definitely fart face. There's a, a few Michelle clips that I wasn't allowed to use because Michelle would have told me off. <laughs> I have an entire soundboard's worth of Michelle clips of stuff she's unintentionally said. Speaking of Canada 4, apparently you're, one of the clips from your intro where it's like, oh, so the guys are like, oh, I'm getting what? That's a guy saying that. I swear that's a woman. I'm not 100% anymore. I thought it was Stefan off of Antoine. Stefan and Antoine, the, the the French Anthony and Stephanie. I'm still sad that they went out so early. Um, Who, both of them? No, just Stefan and Antoine. They were my favourite preseason team. I love a crazy Quebecois team. It's my favourite stereotype they perpetuate on Amazing Race Canada is the crazy Quebecois team who just snipe at each other. It looked like Dennis Hopper. I feel like Having a Quebec team, it's like having these American teams with a French team, sort of. I don't know. But I always thought that it was Stefan off of Antoine, but I'm not 100% anymore. I thought it was the, the boat leg from season 29 from the Lake Como. It might be, but I'm sure it was season... I'm sure it was Canada 4, but I just can't remember who it was. You know, that I think of it, that, that clip kind of sounds like Tara, I'm not sure. I just can't remember who it is. Doesn't matter. 
I mean, then it's offset with the face cream clip, which sometimes I wonder, like, what would happen if that was one of the seasons where the U-turns were before the detour? Brody and Kurt probably would have still been out because they they parted in... No, I think they got ahead because some, I think it was Dana and Matt who were having trouble finding the clue in the water. But also, it provided us with one of my favorite Amazing Race moments ever, despite me not being a massive fan of the, of the team in question. It's just complete unintentional humor from that entire task, so... Yeah. It's the one time I've been happy with Tyler and Corey. <laughs> if we're being technical here, his name is Matthew. Tyler's his middle name, and don't you forget it, because if his name is Matthew, that means that every Tyler has ever won an Amazing Race. We prefer to just call him Tokels. Good, then every Tyler, BJ and Tyler, Tyler and James, Laura and Tyler, Nathan and Tyler, there, all the Tylers have won an Amazing Race. Yeah, but Laura and Tyler shouldn't have won. It should have obviously been Blaley, or Mike and Rochelle, or Jaylani and Jenny, or literally anyone. Were they bad, though? Laura and Tyler, were, they weren't bad. They were just definitely the worst option. I like their eh. Judd Apatow-type relationship. And Laura, Laura did not like our podcast when I met her in person. No, not She didn't say that she disliked it. She just said, you weren't that nice to us compared to the other teams. Well, yeah, when you're on a season including one of my favorite teams of all time in Blair and Haley, you're not going to get much favorable airtime from me, I'm afraid. Even when Laura left the season 28 finale, she was like hugging me goodbye. And she said, OK, you have to be nicer to me and Tyler from now on. <laughs> So which Logan did not at all report back, and I'm still shitting on them. I mean, if anything, 28 proved that they're not the worst team with a Tyler in them recently. I'll just root for all the male-male teams. I don't I don't care. I don't care. Everyone's like, oh, Art and JJ are one of the worst teams. I like them. I don't care. Yeah, they're not my least favorite in the season. Rachel. <laughs> but my favorite in that season was, of course, Elliot and Andrews, so... Really? Yeah. They're the they one okay. team I can actually stand in uh, in season twenty. I hate a lot of teams in season twenty. What about uh, Bopper and Mark? No. You, what? One of my bottom five teams. I hate them so much. They're the what? worst. I don't know if you're messing around with no, me right now, but I'm, I'm, no, he's not. <laughs> I'm genuinely being serious. When we did the Amazing Race rankdown on uh, oh, right. on, on Reddit, I I try to eliminate them three times. I hate them. How do you hate them? Because they are completely humorless. They hate anyone giving a negative opinion about them. They are rude, obnoxious, sour. Like, on like online or like during the race? Both. Wow. Like, Mark is hands down the worst racer I've ever interacted with online. He's awful. Aww. He's genuinely humorless. Between this and last week's revelation that... Becca and Floyd may have done something to kick them off a returnee season. All my favorite teams are getting grabbed on. I know that I am alone in my my dislike of Bopper and Mark, but they are the worst bit about 20 for me. I I despise them. I dislike Mark, but I like really like Bopper, though. Bopper's cool. On any other season, Bopper would have the best nickname that they decide to call him on Tar. But then you have Joey, quote, fitness. <laughs> what the? I like Joey Fitness and Danny. They they call them team. They call them like this is back when Jersey Shore was a thing. But they're both from New York. I like Joey and Danny, and I refuse to call him Joey Fitness and Danny on my task spreadsheet. He is just Joey. That's fair. 
But everyone calls him that, and it's hilarious. Why are you doing that? Joey, quote, fitness and Danny. Bob Vance from Vance Refrigeration. <laughs> they were so close to going out, but then Misa and Maya made one of the worst mistakes in, ever, in, in Tar history where they literally just could not see Phil, like, 100 feet away from them. They were like muggles, and Phil was Hogwarts. You're blogging Tar 20 soon, and um, hopefully make that joke. Actually, yeah, like, it will be really soon. It's like, I'm just thinking, like, when they did the bat roadblock from Hong Kong, I'm thinking, you know, in five years when Logan blogs Tar 30, are they going to make a Smash Bros. reference because, like, the bat? <laughs> so, who do you want to win on Hammerots? Daniel and Eliyahu. I love the all-male teams. These guys are fit. My favorite thing about Hamirots is that every episode's over an hour long, so they can afford to show you, like, these team interactions that, like, on a normal Amazing Race should probably be posted as YouTube clips, as bonus clips. So you see them getting hungry. They'll get, they'll get out of a taxi and, like, go, to, go buy some pizza. Or, like, or, like they, were in this, they were in this, like, tattoo store where, like, their task was, like, each team member got half of a temp- – each team member got a temporary – oh, this, was, this is actually a really cool task. Each team – you got a temporary tattoo on their backs where, like, they'd have to, like, it was a map and they'd have to, like, use the locals' help to, like, figure out where they were supposed to go as indicated on their map tattoo. So, like, they're at this tattoo store and there's, like, a plate of food. It's, like, cake or something. They just take cake. They're, they're hilarious. And I have a lot of gifts of them as my signature on, on a CTS. And the last leg, they won a leg, jumped on the mat, and slipped. And that is the best moment of the season. One of the best moments of the season. Who made the gif of that one? Me. No, who made the gif? It was me. Yeah, but I used a different one because yours was too big. Yeah, but I still made the gif for you. Thanks. You're welcome. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Could have got rid of the minute of, of you being evasive there. <laughs> and why should people watch Hammer Outs rather than the shit show that is season three? Because there are honestly not that many bad teams on Hamerots because I feel like you really get to know a lot of the teams again because of the inter-team dynamics. Like, it's a lot of based on, like, you don't see a lot of airport drama, but, like, I feel like there's so many... There are a lot of crazy teams. Like, there's a brother-sister duo who are absolutely nuts. (laughs) And I love them so much. Here's the thing. One moment I'll love them, another moment they'll like get on my nerves for being so crazy, but the best thing that they've ever done was like they were in Russia and like they were they they were in they got to the last task of the leg and last. And you know, whatever, like are they going to get eliminated? I don't know. They ended up winning the leg. What? They they got to the last task and last and okay, basically the last task was that it was like some there was something in Moscow, and they had to watch the Red Army Choir perform the Kalinka song, and the thing was like they had to figure out which which person in the front row wasn't wasn't actually singing. So it was kind. It reminded me a lot of the uh, the the first detour in Mexico from twenty eight. You had to figure out who wasn't actually playing their trumpet or whatever. Mariachi Madness. Yeah, that one. And the thing was like, it was basically like. And like each singer had like a pic had like a picture at their feet of a pit stop location. Apparently, there's like a thing in Moscow called the Seven Sisters, like buildings of similar architecture, whatever. So each of them like had a pit stop crew, and they had to go 
figure out, you know, if that was the right pit stop. And if they went there and there was no pit stop, you know, they'd have to go back and try again. And I think the cool thing was that the correct location made them take the subway. That was pretty cool. But anyway, this this team, their names are Omer and Netta. Basically, they get there, and based on the subtitles, it seems like they picked one at random because it was, like, the the sister's lucky number because, like, she was contestant number three in a beauty pageant she won. They get there first, except... Hammer Roads, I got to backtrack here. They have they don't have detours every leg, but they have a must-vote yields. Basically, teams with the most votes get yielded, except they put it right before the pit stop. So if you get yielded, you have to wait 15 minutes before the pit stop. Two teams were waiting for the pit stop. They get their third, pass them up, win the leg, and they absolutely go nuts when they find out they won the leg. And it is one of my favorite moments in Tar his in, like, in Hamiroth's history. And the must-vote U-turns have also been seen in... Australia. I think the Philippines did it once. It's Australia, Philippines. I think China's had them. Uh, has I think Norgay's had them as well. That's how you pronounce Norgay? Yeah. I always thought it was Norge. No, it's Norgay. Having been to Norway, it's, uh, it's definitely Norgay. If you're going to say Hammerots, I'm going to say Norge. That's how it's going to work here. Yeah, that doesn't irritate me, though. I just say Hammerots because I know I get a comment of you every time I say Hammerots. Well, try at least say Hammerots. Hammerots. I'm not going to try anymore. <laughs> I've finally beaten it out of you. The best part is, like, when also the same team also went crazy to the leg before when they were in Jamaica. They were last, but it was a non-elimination leg. The only one of the season. Has there ever been a season with only one non-elimination leg? No, but the... Well, Hammerots 4, I think it is, holds the record for the... The earliest use of their final non-elimination, which is... Eight. Final... Eight teams in the UK. They had it, I remember. I remember there was a rumor back before that 12 wasn't going to have any non-elimination legs because of the because of the low budget. Well, Phil said that explicitly in pre-season interviews saying, oh yeah, we did away with non-elimination legs completely this year. And wow. then you get to five, and it was a huge shocker when the final five episode aired, because... Um, I remember it was, yeah, that episode I was watching with, uh, it was right around Christmas time, so a bunch of my siblings and cousins were all watching it with me, and they're saying, oh, it might be one of those non-elimination things that they used to do back in the day. And then I was saying, well, they said there's no non-elimination, so it can't be that. And then I looked (laughs) like a complete idiot five minutes later, because Phil said, oh, this is first of only two non-elimination legs this year. Then I was thinking, what? I just read... I just read you say that there will be zero non-eliminations. When the hell did this happen? Same leg as the meanest fast forward in Amazing Race history. What's that? Really? Yeah. The yeah, Nick get and the Don tattoo. getting tattooed. I recently saw a comment online like, they should stop doing head shaving roadblocks, do more tattoo roadblocks. That's that's more permanent. You can grow your hair back. It's an evil fast forward, that one. They didn't tell them, though, what it no, was. It was, it was a, a seafaring tradition, was what it said in the clue. I remember that vividly. Imagine imagine going like going back and seeing your FF tattoo and like, oh, you must be a Foo Fighters fan. <laughs> Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy or Foo Fighters or both? And also I seem to remember that they didn't have a choice of where to get it either. They were told they had to get it at the top of their arm. Hammer Oats is the joy to watch. Like the the last season, the one in Rome, there were these there were these two guys who were from France. And they're, they were, like, one of my favorite teams of all time. And the episode where they got non-eliminated with the scratch card, you threw in a picture of that. 
uh, from the second is when you blogged the second Israel like in Australia one. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah, that scratch card. That's probably the most absurd way I've ever seen an all elimination news being delivered. It's a sp- it's a sponsor thing. Like this this season, they just told they just told them right out. Oh, it's an all elimination leg, and then the t- they go crazy, and then the they create the best part is like the team that gets the news, which is the the same team I mentioned earlier won the leg in Russia. They go crazy. They leave the mat, and the pit stop greeter, who's a Bob Marley impersonator because it's Jamaica, turns <laughs> to the host and is like, "Did they win?" And the next Jamaican pit stop will have Snoop Lion. I think he goes by Snoop Dogg now. Yeah, he's gone back to Snoop Dogg. I saw him in concert last year. Still can't believe they got Krista for the... I mean, I guess I can believe that. What I can't believe is that one of the teams recognized her. They're like, we know you! Well, she wasn't even picked as the greeter because of her amazing race connection. That was just a happy coincidence. She was picked because of the New York Jets connection. That's true. Yeah, she was dressed as a cheerleader. Yeah, that's entirely why she was cast. They approached the the New York Jets and said, do you have anyone who wants to be a pit stop greeter? And I think the the Jets thought, oh, this will be entertaining if we get Krista to be it. I'd love to sit in, like, to be in a meeting of Hamerot's task designers, because, like, they had a leg in Thailand where it's like, okay, they have to use stilts to collect latex, like this, I guess, the early stages of rubber. They had to collect it in basket, and then they had to fill it up to a line. It's like, okay, fine, that's, like, that's your standard um, Israeli, that's your standard amazing race task. Like, okay, f- take this substance and fill it up to a certain line, like... I'm sure they've done that before, except when they, except you think they're done. The guy who, I guess, the task judge or whoever's like gives him the clue, hands them rubber bands and a watermelon, and they have to put enough rubber bands in the watermelon to make it explode. The second greatest watermelon task in uh, franchise history. Like, who, who comes up with that idea? The best part about watching Hame Rotes is just figuring out what they're going to do next with it. With, ta- with the, they, they had teams do a giant version of Connect the Dots. I can counter with a, a task from last year's Belgium Bowl season where we had a drunk museum heist. <laughs> wow. Oh, that task was awesome. Oh, it's, it's one of my favourite tasks I've ever done. They split the group into... Um, I, I think there was ten people left. They split them into two people doing one task and then... No, it was, it was final eight. So it's two people doing one task and six doing another so the two people who were split off had to go around this museum and sort of work out where the cameras were and that sort wow. of stuff. Everyone else was told, you've got a night off, just enjoy yourself. Your your task will start tomorrow. So they all get absolutely bladdered. <laughs> They're in this bar all night, and then at one minute past midnight, the host walks in and says, right, your task is starting right now. Whoops. And they're just looking around going, ah, balls, we are leathered. Whoops. And then the the two who've created a map, basically, of, of the museum have to um, direct everyone else to pick up three artifacts which are worth money. I would have been fine. I don't drink. Neither do I, but it was so funny. It's just unintentional humour galore. I've drank beer before. It tastes really bitter. I don't like it. And that's also the same episode as um, everyone having to run around a giant maze to find letters to try and beat the host at Scrabble. <laughs> And ostriches would chase them out. Yeah, the letters are written on ostrich eggs, and there are ostriches in the maze which will attack people. Oh my god. I feel like if Hammerotz ever goes to the Netherlands or Belgium, they're going to do a mole kind of task. It's just so good. I'm going to watch it one day, I have to. This is what I mean about it being 
cut from the same cloth, basically. It really is. Like, what other season would have would have teams don suits with sponges in them, go into this tank full of orange juice, then go to the another tank and like hug each other so the orange juice comes out and they have to fill it up to a line. Who does that? People who really are trying a new ad campaign for Sunny D. Soda, OJ, purple stuff. Amirots. <laughs> and the thing is, I don't think that Belgian Mold are going to tone it down this year either. There's a very good reason that we're podcasting about it, and that is because in the trailer alone, we have exploding pinatas, we have people being buried alive to simulate the drug cartels. Wow. We have, because um, it's set in Mexico, we've got mariachi bands and people at a festival in um, in sombreros. Yeah. I've got a feeling they're going to do a reveal which is themed around Day of the Dead, which will be amazing. Hamaroats did a Day of the Dead themed task. It was basically like, they were in some Six Flags in Mexico, and they're like, okay, one team member was like harnessed or like in in some in some like flight thing. I think it's called X Flight. Look up like Six Flags Mexico X Flight. And it's like like I guess team like one team member would like get a would get a like seven questions about like their teammates' favorite things like TV show, holiday, color, what they were what they were in the army because Israel because Israel has mandatory army service. So. Basically, they'd answer it, and if they got any of them wrong, the team would have to go through the flight thing. And I'm like, okay, but that's like that's like a crazier version of the cut task from Bahrain. It's just insane. In other words, everyone, just watch Hammeros. Just watch it. There's also one of the teams in the final four. It's kind of sad, actually. They um they're a married couple. They have a young daughter, and they had a son who died at like age one. Oh, yeah. And, like, when they got to the Day of the Dead task and the clue was kind of, like, describing what Day of the Dead, like, the traditions, like, how how like the Mexicans believe. And, like, the the wife just broke down. It was really really sad. Is that the team you don't like? No. I know there's a team in the Final Four who you really, really don't like. It's it's not that I don't like them. They have their fun moments, but they're, like, they're kind of unpleasant, honestly. And the fact that they, they got saved by the return ticket when there were so many better teams that could have came back into the race... Really pissed me off. I don't know. I just don't like someone on RFF compared them to Justin and Diana, and I'm like, you know what? Here's the thing about them. I haven't seen 27. I've seen them in real life. I've seen them on their podcast. Justin seems like a guy. He seems cool, but he feels like a, he he has this weird superior vibe to him. That's like I feel like if if you're putting him in a situation where it's like a comp- competitive situation, he'd be super unpleasant. And I don't really blame a lot of people for hating him. I have a lot of time for Justin and Diana just because they've been very good to us in the past. Like, when the stuff with Tyler and Corey blew up, they defended us a lot. I know, but I feel like when they're away from the competitive environment, they could be good. But, like, you put them in the competitive environment, they're probably, like, insufferable. And that's kind of, like, why I'm not looking forward to 27 at all. Yeah, I think 27 depends a lot on whether you actually like Justin and Diana or or not. I guess I'll be the judge of that. I got to pet their dog, though. So, Cooper. Yep, Cooper. So cute. I, I love dogs so much. The thing about 27 is you also have to bear in mind you have absolute stars like Tiffany and Krista and Logan and Chris and Joey and Kelsey even, who I think people sleep on a lot. They kept getting in second and I'm like Bernie and Ashley, they actually won. Anyway, is there anything else to say? Seems though it's like 10 past 1. So basically, this is just a podcast where we just shot the shit. 
there wasn't any theme. We were just talking about the Amazing Race and other random stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Amazing Race Special Edition, shooting the shit. So, thank you for listening to this ERT Number podcast. You can join us whenever, let's be honest. I have no idea. We'll be back for Belgian Mole in a couple of weeks, if nothing else. Michael, Michael, will we be back for uh, Canada 6? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, all right. There is absolutely no guarantee I'm watching Canada 6, never mind actually podcasting about it. I know people out there think, oh, you're going to relent on this. I'm going to make this blatantly obvious. I've still not forgiven Logan for forcing me to do Canada 5 because I wasn't going to. So we're not doing Canada 6. I'm putting my foot down. What if Canada 6 somehow turns out to be one of the best, turns out to be better than Australia 2 somehow? It won't. What if, what if they decided, you know what, we're, we're doing a fully international leg. Screw it. it. Won't. We'll do all seven continents. Ant- oh my, Antarctica would be a great, would be great to visit. They were so close on, on 11 and they, they just flew to Mozambique instead. I would put money on Canada 6 not leaving the country more than twice. How much money? I may hit a Bickerton, just it'll be three international legs, but they'll leave at three different times. That weird Czech note, that's what I'll put on it. <laughs> oh, no, that's a Croatian kuna. Croatian, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was Croatian kuna. I thought it was a British pound, and then it ends up being worth like one-seventh. So yeah, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> This is Michael's uh, indirect cue that he really wants to go sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. I know. But we're done. Can we stall him some more? <laughs> we've been, Until he collapses we've been... on, onto his keyboard. <laughs> Fuck you, Saunders. You're a piece of garbage, Saunders. <laughs> you can follow me at jfarbs on Twitter. That's J-F-A-R-B-Z-Z. That's like a thousand Zs less than a number of threes in Michelle's Twitter handle, but... <laughs> Don't you mean Zed? It's Zed on this podcast. And yeah, I'm MJ Helmstone, Logan's Log Super Quacky. See you later. Bye. Peace, Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Hey, if we're done, I'm going to say it. Bacon and Tori spelling. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> totally editing you out of the episode, Jordan. <laughs> He's gone, Michael. He's gone.